0: You're listening to the Faith Roots audio podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Welcome back to the four faces of love. We're talking about the first face of love, which is the breadth of the love of God. Let's go to our text passage, which is Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 17, 18, and 19. And as we go to this, I want to just remind you of a law of biblical. Uh, interpretation. That is, we use types and shadows, but types and shadows don't come first. What comes first is the statement, the doctrinal statement. We have here a doctrinal statement about the love of God. Now, after we have that statement, we can go through the Scriptures and find many types and shadows that illustrate this doctrinal statement. So that's what we're doing. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And again, I will say it is imperative that you understand every one of those dimensions. We're only covering one this week, but we'll get into all of them. This four faces concept is revealed again through the living beings that live and stand before the throne of God. And I want to read to you uh, about these. They're very mysterious, they're unusual. Uh, and they're highly symbolic. And God never uses a symbol or gives it without it pointing to something. And in the scriptures, and especially in the New Testament, the scriptures are all pointing to Messiah. This has something to do with him. Uh, the Bible says, Before the throne there was a sea of glass, in the midst of the throne, and around the throne there were four living creatures. Uh, King James says beast, but uh, that's a little bit uh, misleading because they are not crude animals. They're very intelligent. Uh, they're living beings full of eyes in front and in back. The first living being was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And creatures used because they were created by God. They, they are not eternal but they are created representations. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So these beings are forever before the throne of God. And uh, they don't cry, love, love, love. They cry, holy, holy, holy. Because God is a holy God, meaning that is absolutely pure. Uh, the word holy has come into disfavor in some places because we mock people thinking that they are holy uh, because uh, they maybe are self righteous or they think themselves better than other people, and so that word gets criticized. But let me tell you this holy means pure, it means pure and unadulterated trust me, you want your God to be holy. You don't want him to be tainted in any way like a human being. You don't want him to be dirty in any way or compromised or fallible in any way. And our God is a holy and perfectly pure God. We want him to be that. Now, Since everything in Scripture points to Messiah, the faces of these creatures symbolize aspects of his mission and character. The first creature had the face like a lion, the lion is a symbol of a king, and the king's job is to guard or to protect. That's one of the faces of love. We see that theme in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is the king's gospel. It contains the royal line. It gives us the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1, which entitles him as an adopted son, the oldest son of Joseph, it allows him to be the real king of Israel. When he went to the cross, he wasn't just a symbolic king. He was the literal king of the Jews. And uh, this has to do with the length of the love of God. The ox is Mark. Mark portrays Jesus as the servant, the obedient servant of God. The ox is a servant animal and we'll talk about this at length in a moment, Uh, but we see in Mark's gospel uh, almost no mention of Jesus being called Lord until after the resurrection, and it's not that he's trying to hide that, but his emphasis is on the servanthood of Jesus, and consequently, There is a revelation of great power because servants are not weak. Servants access the power of God. Mark's gospel is loaded with miracles. Uh, There's more bang for your buck supernaturally in Mark than any of the other gospels. And so we see the revelation of the ox, the servant who is great in power in the gospel of Mark. That has to do uh, with the giving, the breadth of God. So we've got the guarding and the giving so far. And then we go to the gospel of Luke, which is about the manhood of God. Now, see, Mark didn't have a genealogy because a servant's genealogy doesn't matter. Uh, But in Luke's gospel, because he is the perfect man, he has to have a genealogy. And this one is his physical genealogy because he was physically born of Mary. Joseph had nothing to do with Jesus physically. He had everything to do with Jesus legally, but nothing to do with Jesus physically. That's why the gospel of Luke has the genealogy of his physical birth, his biological birth, how this all happened. And it is a symbol of the correction of God. Men must be corrected. And that's what we see with Jesus after he was a 12-year-old boy and was with the doctors of the law in Jerusalem. His parents were looking for him. The Bible says he went back to Nazareth and was subject to them. And the Bible says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, meaning that he uh, was, it doesn't mean that he was sinful. It means that his knowledge and his wisdom were enlarged as he submitted to his parents. This is symbolic of correction. It has to do with depth, and we'll get into that later. Uh, then there is the Gospel of John, which is symbolic of the resurrection. Therefore, the eagle is a perfect symbol of that. Now, the ox serves and gives not only in his life. His whole life is dedicated to service. He is a servant animal. Uh, He's not an animal that's really pretty that you want to put out and have pictures of and, and that inspires majesty. His run or lope is not graceful. He's not like a cheetah or a gazelle or any other graceful animal, uh, not even as graceful as the horse, even though the horse can be a beast of burden. Uh, He's not like the ox. The ox is completely uh, servant all through his life. And then in his death, he serves again because his hide is used. Uh, for different products. And uh, then his meat is also consumed. And so we have the ox serving both in life and in death. And there's a picture of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And here's what Paul says For though I be free from all men, this is Acts 9, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. Uh, To those who are under the law, as under the law. That I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law. Not being without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker of it with you." Paul is saying, I'm living my life as a servant. I'm not serving for my own good, for my own pleasure. I am serving for the good of others. I'm thinking about others. You know, there are many things that are permissible for us to do, but we need to keep in mind the people that we may influence and uh, the people that look up to us. and, And we're not being hypocrites and we're not acting. But at the same time, we're careful to always consider the people around us. You know, if you've been a pastor, you know there's some things that you are careful about in the way that you teach them. It's not that they're wrong, it's that they could lead people to confusion because they're hard to explain. So you're careful to address certain things at the right time. I pastored a church for about 15 months when I was a younger man. The people in the church did not tithe, and upon my succession as pastor, I developed a sermon on. Tithing and I was going to let people have it And the Holy Spirit stopped me and uh, I, I sensed it. I, I could tell there was no blessing on my study. And I said, Lord, you're stopping me from preaching this, and this is an excellent message, and these principles are right. And the Holy Spirit spoke back to me and said, but this is not the time. You're preaching a very corrective message. The congregation does not know you well. You're going to come out of the chute right now with a, a, a corrective message. They're not ready for it, at least not now and I'll release you in the future to do this. And so I preached on something different. I waited for several months, then the Holy Spirit came back to me and said, now you can preach on giving. When I did, the giving at the church rose 400%. And it was because I waited for the right time. I developed a relationship with those people. They saw the good in me. They trusted me. They had learned to eat from my hand, so to speak. And therefore, when I taught them about giving, they were ready to receive it. That's what... Uh, a loving person does. We serve. Jesus said to his own disciples, I have many things to say to you, but you're not able to bear them now. Just because you know something doesn't mean that everybody under you needs to hear what you know. There are times when it's wise to share the things you know, and other times you meet it out carefully. Now, that's the attitude of a servant. The nature of the ox." is seen in the book of Isaiah in the prophecy about Messiah, Isaiah 53. Four times we see words that are descriptive of the work of an ox. Isaiah 53, 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Born is from a Hebrew word nasa, which means to lift, to hold up, to carry away, to take up or take away. Uh, the word carried is sabal. It means to carry, to be burdensome, uh, strong to labor. In other words, this is a beast of burden who's doing this work, Isaiah 53:11. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Uh, the word bear is another indication of an ox-like suffering. Iniquity is a load that no man can carry without injury to his frame. So Christ became the sin bearer in his death, Isaiah 53:12. He bore the sin of many. The word bore is nephak, it means to remove. And so he removed it and carried it away. Now here's what's fascinating about what Jesus did. Jesus carried away our sins, but he did it in his limitations. And I don't have a lot of time to expose this, but what I want you to see, God the Father from his omnipotence and his power loved the world, and he gave his only begotten Son. When he gave his only begotten Son, that actually happened at the incarnation when the word was implanted into Mary's womb. At that point, Jesus became finite. He's no longer infinite. He can't be omnipresent throughout the universe. He had to be picked up and carried into Egypt by Joseph and Mary in order to escape uh, the murderous raid of Herod's soldiers on the babies of Bethlehem. What I want you to see, Jesus became limited because he became a human, and it was in his limitation as a human that he suffered and became the sin bearer. So God's love from an omnipotent position is amazing. But what's even more incredible is that he limited himself, Christ did, and came and from his limitations, he was the most generous. And that's what you see in Isaiah 53 that love gives, it bears. And so we see the face of the ox being revealed in the Messiah. He is pictured by that animal who is a beast of burden. That's all the time we have for today, but we'll pick up here tomorrow. See you then.